Bandwidth for Changelog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com. We move fast and fix things here at Changelog because of Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com. And we're hosted on Linode servers. Head to Linode.com slash Changelog. This episode of Founders Talk is brought to you by Hired. One thing people hate doing is searching for a new job. It's so painful to search through open positions on every job board under the sun. The process to find a new job is such a mess. If only there was an easier way. Well, I'm here to tell you there is. Our friends at Hired have made it so the companies send you offers with salary, benefits, and even equity up front. All you have to do is answer a few questions to showcase who you are and what type of job you're looking for. They work with more than 6,000 companies from startups to large publicly traded companies in 14 major tech hubs in North America and Europe. You get to see all of your interview requests. You can accept, reject, or make changes to their offer even before you talk with anyone. And it's totally free. This isn't going to cost you anything. It's not like you have to go there and spend money to get this opportunity. And if you get a job through Hired, they're even going to give you a bonus. Normally it's $300, but because you're a listener of Founders Talk, they're going to give you $600 instead. Even if you're not looking for a job, you can refer a friend and Hired will send you a check for $1,337 when they accept the job. As you can see, Hired makes it too easy. Get started at Hired.com slash Founders Talk. Welcome to Founders Talk. It has been a while. I'm Adam Stachowiak, host of this podcast and editor-in-chief of ChangeLaw.com. Today, I'm joined by PM Cheney, co-founder and CEO of Open Collective. So, Pia, you, uh, you are now the CEO of Open Collective. We had you on the ChangeLog episode 234 back in, I think it's pretty much last year, January 2017. And that's where I got to know you at. But uh, you got a much deeper, richer story. Um, you're a newly CEO, but that's not your first time as a CEO. You're from Argentina, so you're also an immigrant to the United States. You live in the coolest city in the United States, New York City. And uh, now you're here on Founders Talk. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I've been a huge fan of you and the work you've been doing uh, with Open Collector for quite, a, quite some time now. So the recent news that I saw for you to bump into the CEO role was, was, I was like, yes, you know, behind the scenes, a little, a little fist bump for you. So just saying so you know, a little fist Thank bump. You. So, uh, how are you enjoying this new role for you? Is it, uh, is it a challenge? Is it, is it your main focus? Um, it's definitely my, my main focus and it's definitely a challenge. Um, this is the first time that I took over a role, um, like this in a, in an actual business. Um, I've been leading, organizations before, but in the either political or non, non, non-profit space. Um, it's quite a challenge for me um, from a numbers perspective, mm-hmm. essentially getting used to um, having that. I'm not the sort of the most de- detailed oriented person. Um, so like uh, that's a, a learning curve for me um, and I'm super excited to do it. Let's dig into some clarification so that the audience listening to this can kind of have some frame of reference. So currently you're the CEO of open collective, but you've got this rich history of activism around democracy. Uh, you now call yourself yourself an open source sustainer, obviously one of the co-founders of open collective. You've also, uh, are, are still currently the chair of democracy earth, which is a foundation, uh, which I'll love, I'll love to have you share more details about that. 
you're from Argentina, but you were doing some interesting things like for a while now. How far back into your past do we have to go to kind of find what might be the thread of the beginning to where you're at today? When it comes to activism, um, pretty far back, I have to say. Um, I started the first um, organization with some friends called Interruption uh, that still exists, that is like interrupting, um, interruption. Um, back when I was, and I'm, well, many, many, many years ago, in 1999. <laughs> and, um, that's a long time ago. That's a long time ago. I, I went that's, into the military the year before that. In 1998, <laughs> I went into the United States military. So that's, that's been a long time ago for me. So I know for sure that's a long time ago for you. That's a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was pretty young. Um, and um, we started this organization in sort of fair trade and responsible um, consumption. And we started working in that space. And then very soon after that, I, I moved into politics um, pretty much straight away. And I've always been involved in politics from um, different spaces and different kind of areas. I started you know, doing um, in think tanks and more traditional civil society spaces. And then I moved into government. I moved into campaigning. I did campaign management for several pretty big campaigns in Argentina. And then from there, I moved into co-founding our own political party and then running for elections myself. This was in 2013. Wow. Um, yeah. That was fun. What is it about politics that gets you going? Like, I mean, some people get into it, some people don't. What is it about uh, politics that gets you going? For me, it was a couple of things. I guess deep, deep down, it was a sense of responsibility in a way. Um, I come from quite a privileged uh, background. I was always able to uh, to travel. My family, my both my parents are self-made, but they, they did very well in life. Um, and we always traveled. I could, you know, I, I was able to um, to do internships and work for free in order to gain experience. And um, and I, I I studied in a in a very good university what I wanted to study. So I felt very very privileged. And, and I always had this feeling that I had to give something back. Um, and so that was one area. And then the other reason, or what really gets me going about politics, is that it really impacts our life, uh, our lives like anything else, uh, like nothing else. And and so for me being able to, and I was always very interested in, in power and dynamics of power and, and how we can set rules to govern ourselves that, that really make us be uh, our best selves. Um, and yeah, that, that really gets me going. I'm sort of fascinated by that. And it's something that is kind of ingrained in my DNA, I guess. I can't get away from that. <laughs> mm, like no matter what you do, yeah. to like say, you know, Open Collective, for example, like you're still kind mm. of getting into politics in a way because you're abstracting away the business and the banks and the LLCs and all the minutia and providing a clear path to yeah. organization for some, some folks around the world. And that's to some degree political. I believe in general that there's three ways of achieving systemic change, like changing systems in, 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 in really sort of massive scale. One of them is a revolution. And um, I think that's probably, you know, we know that that's not the best um, avenue. It opens the gates for, you know, it's, it's, it's a process that you can't control. There's a lot of human suffering. 
um, the costs of revolution are, are, are great. The results are completely uncertain. Everything is up in the air. Um, the second avenue for systemic change, at least in my mind, is um, changing the system from within. So it's probably what I tried to do for many, many years, like running for elections, getting involved in politics, doing activism, like trying to change things, pieces, tweaking the way the existing system works. Um, and I got very frustrated by that. And I think it's um, w- while there are some benefits in, in this kind of incremental changes, it's also it has a very um, clear wall that is that you're dealing with power and those in power, they don't want to leave power right and so they don't really have an incentive to devolve power right and change and i learned i really learned that the hard way and then the third avenue for systemic change is building alternative systems right and 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 rendering existing systems obsolete and what i i'm trying to do with open collective and and also democracy earth is it's that's the approach that we take. Open Collective is an alternative system for communities to be able to fundraise, to have an organization, um, to to work in a different um, you know, in a different level of the stack, if you want. Right. Um, and abstracting all of that away and enabling groups and communities and networks to thrive and do what they love without having to worry about being in a territory, being inside kind of the, the our legacy system institutions, um, it's it's a mission that I have in life. And an open collective is part of that. Since you mentioned open collective and democracy earth, kinda I know you kinda teed up open collective there, but maybe go back to democracy earth, like what the what some of the things you're doing there, like what is what are these two entities for you? So democracy earth is um is a foundation and, and what what democracy earth does is um thinking about what democracy looks like for the 21st century. So what kind of political institutions we want to give ourselves for the type of society that we have today. So the the government that we have today was designed 300 years ago for a completely different society that had an information technology that is 500 years old, that is the printing press. And it's anchored around the territory, it's based on where you're living or where you were born at. and, and democracy earth is what it does is it, it imagines what it, what political institutions, what's the democracy that we want for the technology that we have today, for the society that we have today, for the communication technology we have today. Um, and so the foundation not only just like the abstract thinking and writing about this, but also the practical aspect of it, it develops a, a platform, actually a liquid democracy protocol called Sovereign. That it's um, an online liquid democracy protocol. Liquid democracy is a system of democracy where you can vote yourself on issues or delegate your vote, your power to someone else for that particular topic anywhere in the world. So I would de- I could delegate on you my vote for uh, environmental questions. I could delegate on someone else my vote for healthcare issues. Um, I could delegate my vote on someone else for all matters regarding tax reform. And it doesn't really matter where, where they are they're from or if we are living in the same space. And mm. so it's thinking about democracy at a global scale. We, we think of the world as um, um, a network of peers, 
that we share a common planet and we think about what the democratic protocols for that constituency would look like. And at what point did, uh, did you co-found Open Collective? So I, so uh, Xavier, my business partner in Open Collective, he started um, in twen- this um, Open Collective in 2015, and I was nine months pregnant when he's, he called me. He's, um, he's, uh, he asked me if I wanted to join as a co-founder in this project that he was starting. For me, it made a lot of sense because what clicked for me was that we were helping shape the organizations that would use these new democratic protocols that Democracy Earth was thinking about. And so I said yes, and a couple of months later, I started. <laughs> so Open Collective is as old as my daughter, pretty much. Yeah, I guess they're born around the same time, right? I mean, you were nine months pregnant. Yeah. I think it's, uh, everyone thinks at month nine you have the baby. It's usually, it's actually exactly. the end of the ninth month, so really technically 10 months. Yeah. At the 10 month, you, you know, No one tells you that. Yeah, no, no one, one tells, tells you that. that. <laughs> I, mean, that's it. I mean, you know, this is a first, I believe, for me to be in this position to have a conversation like this. One for a woman CEO and then also a mother that's and an immigrant. That's just intense for me. Like uh, <laughs> you, you've wrapped up. There's a ton of different directions we can go. So mm-hmm. obviously take us in the directions that are most appealing to you. But, you know, you're a co-founder of this thing. You've done Democracy Earth. That's interesting that you say that, the you know, the reason why you were you know, motivated by Open Collective and what it was doing was because it was allowing organizations around new political protocols that you were helping develop. You know, that's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, obviously it's leading into the right direction, but so many people around this world try to organize, especially obviously in open source, which is where you found some, you know, significant success, obviously in localized meetups, whether it's technology based or not. You've got people who are trying to organize or self-organize, and it just is painful to create an entity just to do things, you know. And that's, in a nutshell, to some degree, what Open Collective provides is a platform to be able to have a front end, which is the people and community, and some sort of back end where you have either, you know, a foundation or I think you call it a fiscal sponsor. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. So something yeah. like that behind the scenes to allow money to be transfer to enable things to take place, but, and to organize and sustain things. That's uh, it's an interesting, you know, it's just an interesting direction, but uh, maybe, maybe speak to that since you said that mm-hmm. uh, the open collective is your daughter is roughly the same age because <laughs> same, same time frame. Like, like, what was that for you? I mean, obviously is that, is that your, your first child? And that's, that's a new thing for you. It gotta be scary. Yes. Rama is my, my first uh, child. And, um, yeah, I think that um, when when I agreed to join as a co-founder and, and started pretty much full-time um, in Open Collective, and Roma was, Roma is my daughter, uh, two months old, um, or even less, I think I didn't knew, I didn't really know what was, um, what being a mom <laughs> entailed. Um, I wouldn't say that I would do things differently, but... Um, yeah, it caught it. You know, it's the it's when you go into something completely um, without knowing what to expect, and you just launch into things, and things happen. But if you knew in advance how hard it was going to be, I might have not done it. So right. I'm really glad I, I didn't know. <laughs> but yeah, I have some really funny stories. I had um, one interview with uh, 
a meeting with an, um, a potential investor very early on. And Santi, my husband, was stuck in traffic. I mean, back from Palo Alto, and I had to meet um, this guy, and I had Roma, and we didn't have any childcare. And so um, I called him and I said, like, look, I'm with my daughter. Um, we can postpone this meeting or you can, you know, come over to my place and we can have the meeting here. So I go, no, no, I'll, I'll go over. Don't worry. And at one point I was pitching Open Collective. I was showing him the platform and Roma was like a bit fussy and I had to give her a bottle. So I just looked at this guy and I said, like, do you mind holding her for a moment? <laughs> so wow. he, was, he was sitting there with my daughter while I was like, you know, preparing her bottle and pitching Open Collective at the same time. And um, he left saying um, that he, he was absolutely sure that he wanted to invest. <laughs> no, no doubt. Yeah, it was, um, it was funny. Um, he was a really nice guy. Um, yeah, I've done a couple of things like that. She's um, she's been around every call, every <laughs> um, every morning stand up. I don't know. It's like it just it works. It's, you just do what you have to do and make it work. What do you think the the biggest challenge? Obviously, you. I'm pretty sure you've been a CEO before, based on my research. Is that correct? This isn't your first time. Oh, a CEO of a company? Yes, it's the first time. Well, this is your first time. Okay. So new mother growing. uh, So still, you know, still evolving, still, you know, making your mark with Open Collective. Like it's not, um, it's obviously doing good, but it's not like it's, you know, I don't know how to describe it. You know what I'm trying to say. You can say we're growing. Right. Yeah. You know, you're, you're still attaining stability, you know, it's ups and downs, ups and downs, you know, and every day is different. Every month is different. Every year is different. So new mother, new CEO, what what are some of the biggest challenges you face today? I, I guess with those two roles upon you, I mean, they're both huge roles. I don't, I don't think I face like particular challenges um, from the motherhood perspective. I, I am my partner when I got pregnant and my husband, um, I sat down with him and we agreed that this was 50-50 equity on our daughter. And um, and that we that's um, that's something that's a rule in my house. So we really share all responsibilities. Um, I would say at this stage that Roma is two and a half years old and she's pretty independent and like has her own like you know organization and um, school or nursery school and things like that. It's easier. I think it was really harder on me when I was. Um, breastfeeding and that that's very challenging I remember I was in we started working at this office space that the bathroom didn't have a flag so I couldn't pump right and I didn't want to stop breastfeeding because I was working and I didn't want to stop working because I was breastfeeding and so I had to um, run out of the office to my doctor's office <laughs> that he would lend me like a room to pump for half an hour and then go back to work and things like that. Like the, the world is not super prepared for um, for these situations uh, in general or the office space. Um, and, and I think that that was the most challenging thing um, for me, like having to come back home really tired and put Roma down and pump while I was answering emails. Like all of that, like the first four or five months are, are, are hard are very, very hardcore. After that, everything is like, at least for me, everything has been much easier. I'm sitting here listening and completely empathizing because 
I'm not sure when Rimmel was born, but my son Eli was born in March of 2016. And so I think they're in similar age, at least my, you know, my son's just barely just under two and a half years old. So they're in similar neighborhoods and I can totally relate that, you know, the first few months are absolutely hard. So super challenging, you know, they need your attention. They can't walk. They can't do anything for themselves. And, you know, you're trying to keep doing, but then also, you know, doing your responsibility as a parent. And it's just like, you know, it's just probably the most challenging, challenging parts of a parent's life is, is those first, you know, six months to nine months of the yeah, child's life. For and, sure. But it also, it also gives you um, an extra energy, like an extra, I don't know, creativity. I don't know if it's the hormones or what, but it's like, you have that, you know, you, you go into a, yeah, you go into a different gear. Like yeah. You just, you just keep pushing forward. I don't know. There's something that kind of makes you, um, yeah, just shift gears into that extra thing and, and you can, and you can do it. Um, so yeah. Also you, what I found mo mostly with um, motherhood is I don't have time for BS essentially, like at all. Like this, I don't have, I have very little time to waste or to spare. So you become, at least I became really good at saying no to things and just really cutting, you know, cutting loose things or, or, or situations or people that just, yeah, I didn't, just didn't have time. It made me much more focused because the time I have away from my daughter is like, I'm doing this, right? Otherwise, I'm with her. Yeah, it better be time spent well. Otherwise, you know, you're like, I would have loved just, just to hang around and cuddle and snuggle, you know? like Exactly. <laughs> my funnest moments is just is just snuggling my son. He's just so much fun just to hang out with and chase and play and stuff like that. And, you know, like you take that time for me, you know, if you're wasting my time with like, you know, something else is, is distraction. It's you and, and the relationship you have that suffers because you, you could have spent that time better. Yeah. But I don't know. I grew up with a working mom, an entrepreneur, um, mother, um, totally self-made. And so for me, this is, I don't know, this, it feels very natural. And now she's at the age that she started to complain that I'm going to, to work. But she's, she's been used to that. And I also travel a lot. She's used to me traveling. But every now and then she gets like, not happy about me leaving. And so I just have to explain to her that I love what I do. And then one day she's going to find something that she loves. And she's going to love her work. And she's going she's gonna to do something that is meaningful for herself. And um, yeah, that's really the only thing I can tell her. Because then I'm just going to go and do my job, which is what I want to do. This episode of Founders Talk is brought to you by Rollbar. Catch errors before your users do. Resolve errors in minutes. Deploy with confidence. Rollbar is loved by developers, trusted by enterprises. And most of all, we use Rollbar here at ChangeLog. You can give Rollbar a try today at no cost to you. No credit cards required. Our listeners get access to the Bootstrap plan with 100,000 events for free for 90 days. To get started, head to rollbar.com slash changelog.
In 2016 was when you were asked to co-found Open Collective. And Open Collective's focus is around crowdfunding, building in transparency into organizations. You were motivated to join as a co-founder because of the work you were doing with Democracy Earth and the different political protocols that you've been putting in place and how that actually trickles into, you know, self-organizing collectives, so to speak. So maybe let's start there for, for this next segment of like, you know, what Open Collective truly is to you and the goals that it has. I know it's been in place for a couple of years now, so you're sort of two years into getting it right. And I think when we spoke to you on the change log, we talked a little bit about this, about, you know, just finding your way. You were still discovering what it should be. And I think now you may have a better perspective. So where are you at? I think that the way we think about collectives, um, we see them as new human and economic units. Right? We see the collective as the new economic unit that ex- exists in the world and it's the community. And the community doesn't fit the assumptions that the financial system has of how organizations should operate. Our, our system thinks of organizations as corporations, whether for profit or non-profit, it doesn't matter. But corporations are hierarchical organizations. They have a president, they have a command and control structure of sorts. They're anchored in a territory. You have to be incorporated somewhere. And the associations of the internet generation are not incorporated anywhere in the world. Um, so we we really set out to serve that community. We really set out to serve associations of, of the internet generation. And we define how open collectives are and should operate. Open collectives are very fluid structures, they're bottom-up, they have core contributors and contributors, they're transparent by design, they operate in the open, and they need a way to get funding without necessarily having their own legal entity or their bank account, because they don't want to have a president, they do not want to have equity, that's not how they operate. And I think that we really hit a very difficult problem, Um, and there's um, the, the need for Open Collective became very clear for us. Um, we, we keep seeing um, different examples and different collectives from you know, different spaces joining that are not only open source. Um, and and we, the, we are discovering or we've discovered like the most acute challenges that they face. We're trying to solve them. Um, and the challenges that we face as a company um, and as an organization, and we set out to solve them as well. Um, so I think we're in a really good place at the moment where we figure out what we're doing, we figure out who we're doing it for, we figure out the problems that we face or the challenges that we face, and what we need to focus on now is how do we scale and how do we grow. Um, so that's where we're at. And we are facing, I don't want to say a decision because we already made it because it's who we are, but we decided that we want to grow in a horizontal way or a decentralized way. We do not want to grow as a classical company that just grows a lot of engineers or it's like, you know, growing in hiring and staffing. What we want to do is to build Open Collective in a way that anyone can, um, can contribute to it and that different services can be built on Open Collective for the collectives and that collectives can sell projects, products, or services to each other. And really just, we 
we, we just want to be the infrastructure on top of which this whole economy for collectives takes place and develops. But we don't necessarily want to develop all of it ourselves. On the contrary, we, we really want to be the foundation, the plumbing, and enable anyone to start building on top of it. And so we think of ourselves a little bit as a browser, right, that essentially abstracts that operating system and you operate just on, on, on that level. Um, and we want Open Collective to, do, to be the browser for all of the, the collectives and their interactions and their growth and how they thrive and to take place without worrying about the government, the operating system, the fiscal sponsorship, the money, etc. That's the hard part, right? I mean, that's is the, you know, if you've got sort of like ad hoc organizations that form around an idea or an interest or, a, you know, a community someone's not really that interested in saying, Hey, I will go ahead and form the LLC and, and, you know, kind of essentially take on all the legal liability. And then that means they've got to deal with taxes. And I'm just making the assumption based upon my experience here in the U S cause that's where my frame of reference is. But you know, those are a lot of truths for, you know, organizations and what you're doing is allowing them to organize around either, I think now you're you're now five hundred one c three is that right or what's what's your status now? So Open Collective is a is, is a C corp, and then what it has it has nonprofit um, organizations that we created that are partner organizations. Right. So okay. we have a a five hundred one c three that's a foundation, um, a five hundred one c six that's the open source collective that's just a fiscal sponsorship for all the open source right uh, projects. Then we have Open Collective Europe. Um, and we partner with we we started seeing people taking on open collective hosts and starting open collective hosts, so fiscal sponsors in different countries. So open collective Mexico, open collective UK, Brussels together, open collective Paris, and that's what we want to. That's how we want to grow. Those all those organizations are not ours. We don't control them. They're like chapters of what we do. It's just people that are interested in 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 the same uh, mission that want to join our mission. And the way to do it is by creating a host organization. So for example, Open Collective Paris is the fiscal sponsor themselves of all the collectives um, in Paris that are around um, civic tech and um, that are interested in the civic space, specifically civic technology. So they are the host, they manage, they deal with the taxes, they take their fee for doing it, but they do it on the Open Collective platform because it enables them to do all of this in a transparent way, which they wouldn't be able to do otherwise, or it would be more cumbersome for them to do otherwise. Right. So you got a C Corp that you formed to operate Open Collective, the platform. And then you've got your own 501c3 and 501c6 foundations here uh, to act as fiscal sponsors so that those organizations out there that want to organize without having to do that step because you're doing it for them can utilize you as a fiscal sponsor or bring their own if they have one already. And then in the other mission, you've got, Hey, if you want to be a host in Paris, France or home country, Argentina or somewhere else, you know, someone in those areas can reach out to you and say, Hey, I, I want to be a host. Can I be a host? And then you allow that. And then they're a fiscal sponsor available to those people in that particular localized area. And so the platform open collective acts as this sort of a front end to all these sort of, foundations and different legal entities in certain areas to 
provide the necessary back-end plumbing, right? Yes, that's that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, and even existing organizations, like, for example, um, that are not Open Collective dedicated, so Women Who Code, for example. Women Who Code, they have their own 501c3, um, and they, but they manage um, 72 Women Who Code meetups around the world on Open Collective. Um, we TechSoup, for example, is coming on board to manage their NetSquare groups around the world on Open Collective. Um, so it's a way of also existing organizations that replicate very fast in different cities and in different um, areas. Um, because you know how you know there's an idea, it replicates very quickly, someone else takes it on, they study in their own city. So a way of, of, of keeping all those ecosystems um, sustainable and being able to create those larger networks, they use Open Collective to do that. When someone's uh, listening to this and they're thinking, okay, it, it sounds like I can go on here and I can form an organization or I can, can, can someone come on there as an individual organization? Let's say I am a community of one or at least one so far. Yeah, absolutely. You can host your own um, collective yourself. We have, for example, um, the Django Girls group in Marseille. Um, the, it's um, this, uh, this girl that's self-hosting her own meetup. There's three or four. Or her meetup is it's not super big, but their, their budget is small enough that she can host it in her own bank account. Okay. So she became the host of her, her own meetup. And which is, it's, it's what they were doing before, right? They were receiving some money from sponsors. They were paying things. Uh, they were uh, hiring the venue. But now it's all done in a very transparent way. So that enables more money to flow because there's more clarity about where the money is going and what the money is being spent on, um, not only from a sponsor's perspective, but from her own perspective. She's way more comfortable with using her own bank account because there is no issue with where the money is going. It's very clear what's happening. Right. So that ena enables her to become a host of her own group. And what I'm what I'm trying to get to is that um, people have choices on how they can, you know, organize and sustain, so to speak, whether they're an individual or they're, you know, a, a full on community that that just doesn't they want to have a flattened hierarchy. They don't want to have any minutia of setting up company all the all the things that open collective does well but then you have alternatives you have alternative ways to do that for somebody who wants to say hey i want to do this fun thing i do i just want people to donate to me i want to like leave my job uh, and and you know start raising funds so they have choices of where they can go and i'm curious what when someone chooses up a collective let's say there's opportunities to say patreon or other opportunities how do they make choices and know that Open Collective is for them? I think that Open Collective has traditionally been more focused in on communities and groups, um, and the you know, the whole transparency aspect of it is very important. Um, that's you know that you know where the money is going and how it's being spent. Um, and then I think that the other very important aspect of Open Collective is that it's easier for companies to give money to projects on Open Collective that are being fiscal sponsored because they receive an invoice on the other hand. Right. Um, on the, from the other side, right? If not, they need to give money to a person and they need to treat them as a contractor and issue a 1099 for them. And, you know, big companies that it's, it's almost impossible 
Yeah. To to for big it's companies a, to even do a that, the right? They just won't even do it. They won't do it, and so we are are seeing companies now asking um, developers. This has happened very recently, asking developers to open a, a collective because they want to give them five thousand dollars, but they can't give them five thousand dollars directly or on Patreon or on anything that it doesn't have a process, proper invoice for them to process this internally. That's true, because you need some sort of entity to send an invoice from, because otherwise it's, hey, this invoice is from me, Adam Stokowiak, and you give me some money, they're going to say, well, I can't because of the you know, the legal issues of like 1099 or just the, the complexity. They'd have to involve certain departments or whatever. There's just too exactly. much red tape. Gotcha. Oh, God, and some, some companies are like, it's like dealing with governments. Yeah. <laughs> You know, they're vendors. You have to become a vendor, yeah. and like do purchasing orders, and God only knows. Um, and so, open collect like the fiscal sponsor takes care of that. It's not that if you receive the money through Open Collective, you're not going to receive a 1099. You are. It's just that the sponsor is not doing it. Your fiscal sponsor is. Right. Right. right? You're, so not the company is not doing it. Your fiscal sponsor is. Right. You're so. you're making it easier for someone to give you money without having to be obligated to deal with the legal things. And that's what the fiscal exactly. sponsor does. And that's also why that fiscal sponsor has a fee because there is, it's not so much to, maybe in some cases it might be to actually make a little bit of money or just maybe cover expenses to, to deal with being a fiscal sponsor. But there's a responsibility on their part to do what they need to do legally, which costs money. And that's why there's probably a, I think the, I'm not sure what the fees are, but there is a fee. So people may be, may be surprised like, oh, hey, I thought this was, you know, free, free and open. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, nothing's totally free. Yeah. Um, yeah. And different fiscal sponsors, we call the fiscal sponsors host organizations in our lingo. Um, the different host organizations have also different fees. So, for example, um, an organization that can maybe provide their collectives with branding um, may charge a fee. Um, an organization that provides their collective with training might charge another fee, right? Because what they're giving them is uh, it has a lot more overhead um, and also depends on where, where they're at. Um, so Open Collective um, has a 5% fee across the board. And then the host organizations that we create and manage have another 5% fee. Um, so, but it, it really depends on your host organization. Yeah. And everyone, I'm sure everyone has different rules and details. So it's, it's just part of, part of how things work. Uh, so you're, you're two years ish or more in, is that right? Two ish more? What's, yeah. what's the number? Two, um, almost two and a half. To almost two and a half. Okay. So two and a half years into Open Collective, you've been less. involved pretty much since the start. Mm. Um, you know, what, what are some of the biggest lessons learned in terms of helping collectives organize it's harder to spend money than to raise money yeah we found that especially in the open source space um we have collectives that have like a decent budget and they it's harder for them to decide how they're going to spend it um so we had to help um some of the collectives um go through the process of yeah figuring out how they wanted to spend the money that they had uh we have sponsors that want to give money to collectives but because the collectives are not spending it, they are, you know, not doing it. So there is a lot of money out there for this, and sometimes it's hard for for the for such distributed organizations, especially when this is like your craft, your product of love, your your passion project, to 
you know, decide how you're going to spend that money collectively. Yeah. Because it's not, you know, yourself as an individual. We've been working in a couple of, of features to to help in that, um, in that area to sort of add transparency to what's okay to expense to a collective and what's not and things like that. But by far the most successful collectives are the ones that are spending their funds. Well, that's, I mean, it's kind of like the point too, is like the re, you know, one of the reasons why it seems to me that one of the primary drivers of forming the collective on open collective is to be able to raise funds. And so if that's your motivation, you have needs, right? That's going to cost money. So you need to find ways to raise money to be able to spend money. And the cool thing about open collective is it helps you do that transparently, sending invoices, all of it's available to the whole community and the general public as well. And, you know, you, you get into a position where like, hey, I got to spend some money, but I don't know how to spend it. And on your part, you know, you're trying to create a successful platform. So you've got several problems, right? You've got the problem of one, creating the software, which is hard. Uh, yeah, the not, community, not <laughs> which is hard. And then you've got all this work that goes into attracting collectives. And then unless they're actually successful, then you're not successful. So just just growing by one more collective doesn't help you unless that collective is successful. And so you've got to now put in the work to make them or help them become successful. We need to help them uh, activate, essentially. Okay, um, good term. And so receive the money and A, look for money, which is also non-trivial, then receive it and, and use it. So it's a full cycle. Yeah. Um, we... We study or we, we, we understand the cycles of the, uh, the, you know, a complete collective, an active collective, when they actually did all of these steps. They raise money, they spend it. Um, so um, because that's how, you know, you start having functioning, sustainable organizations. Um, so, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, the challenge is to, um, to set the software. The legal and financial aspect of it is also a challenge. Payment process is a software that uses several payment processors or that involves um, money, which is it's also a different pain because in the world of PayPal, we all we're all sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, um, and then once we set the infrastructure up, we reach out to the collectives. We you know they they see the value in what we do. They come on board. Then they need to activate. Um, so it's um it's quite a process. Um, but um, we are we are becoming better at helping them um, through all the whole process, the whole cycle of the of the, we're at the stage where we have collectives in all these different steps, and we are figuring out and designing features, etc., to help them in the whole in in that whole cycle, um, which is great because now we're seeing the you know the process in in its entirety. What what is your focus now? I mean, you you've come on as CEO recently. I think uh, I checked into some of the things you've done. I think you have this pretty interesting thing. You have an investor update once a month. Um, the the last few have been um, by your other co-founders. You did the latest one. That was at least what I can tell. Um, I think it's pretty interesting because while those are sort of focused on investors, it's interesting to see that as like a hey, here's kind of like a heartbeat of like how you're operating. You know, it's like a help. You could do a health check by reading up on like the last six months of those pretty much. And I love that they're Absolutely. open for one, it helped me research easily, but two, it's just, it just goes back to the, into the, you know, the model of transparency, you know, for you as well. 
Um, and also because that's how we want to grow. We want to grow, you know, we want to have more host organizations, more people doing open collective chapters around the world, more developers building features for collectives on open collective. Um, and so being open and transparent is, it's not only who we are and how we've done everything before, but also we 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 see it as fundamental to the way we want to grow, uh, to grow this project. Um, we wouldn't be able to do it otherwise. So it's very important for us. What is success for you then? Like uh, when you do a startup, and I'm not sure if it would consider this, you know, in traditional terms of startup, it is a C-corp, obviously. You do have to be profitable. You do have to pay people. You do have runway. You do have burn. You do have all the other things that go into it. But like, what is success? Like coming from your background and your motivations for this, like what do you see as success for Open Collective? Like what are your goals for that? For Open Collective as a mission and as a project, I see success as, as really seeing a whole new economy created for the communities. So for example, now there are a couple of developers that are working full-time for their collectives, right? Um, so someone needs to figure out what the benefits are <laughs> and how to provide those benefits, right? Someone has to figure out if the community is now at the center of an economy, what services do we sell to that, to that community? Um, and so for me, success is really... Um, and a new economy where the collectives are at the center, where this you can the way to bring ideas into the world is by creating open collectives. Like that for me is success. You have an idea, you want to test it, you want to get some people together, you want to try it out, you want to build something. The default way of bringing things into the world is open collective. Um, that's that's where I want to take this. Obviously, we've seen success around open source, but what other examples can you give to say what that kind of thing into the world is? Um, so we've been seeing a lot of civic tech uh, projects joining Open Collective. Um, I think that probably the most beautiful example is Brussels Together. Brussels Together is an organization in Brussels that essentially what they did is they realized that every citizen initiative in Brussels was operating in a silo and they were all going through the same pains of do we need an association? Do we need a foundation? What do we do? Um, there wasn't you know, communication and transparency. So Brussels Together decided to become the organization that empowers all of the citizen initiatives in Brussels. And, and now they have initiatives like, um, like the citizen, uh, citizen networks that are working particularly with civic tech projects, but also a project that is dedicated to um, having more vegan options in Brussels, another one that is um, lobbying to get public pools <laughs> in Brussels, um, a zero waste initiative, all of those initiatives that they might have not taken place because it was really hard for them to find a structure to do it. And it was really costly for them to have a traditional um, association or foundation, they are now happening because they are supported on the Brussels Together platform. And, and for me, that's beautiful. Like, that's the kind of thing that I want to see happening everywhere in the world. Kind of reminds me, and maybe this is a not a great correlation, but it kind of reminds me of, of meetup.com in a way, but because like the one thing you miss with meetup.com or something like that kind of model or that direction 
because they have similar goals of helping people organize, but they don't have them, their goals aren't based in transparency and sustainability and sustainability. Like they're just, uh, you know, allowing people to say, here's an interest or a topic in a group. Here's when and how they meet. You know, they're only providing the, you know, the actual structure of, of a, of, of a workflow of, of organizing, not so much the, you know, the sustainability sides of organizing. So you seem to have a similar mission, but backed with the, Hey, we'll also allow you to be able to, you know, have do you know, not so much dues, but like just be able to people to donate into or provide sponsorships and take money away and have expenses without having to say, you know, like we've said before, have a, an actual legal entity, which is, you know, completely off the record of meetup that they're not getting involved in that at all. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think there's a lot of synergy that we can build there. We, we, um, I've met um, Scott, the CEO of Meetup, um, and now they, um, they've been acquired by WeWork, uh, which puts them in a very interesting space because I think that now they, have, they don't have to worry too much about money anymore. Um, so I think that um, I talked to Scott a lot about it, and um, I think there is, there, there is, um, it makes sense for us to work together. I'm not sure if they're there yet. I think they're still focusing on, on bringing people together, not so much on how they can sustain those communities. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. But I think it's it's clearly um, it's a really it's a really nice uh, uh, synergy that we can we can build. Another very interesting space for me is the um, the crypto space. Right. There's a lot of um, projects being created. There's a lot of money in the space and they're all trying to be sustainable by doing ICOs and not all the <laughs> projects need an ICO or a token. And there's a lot of public digital infrastructure in that space that still needs to be developed. And the business model, you know, the, the, the crypto ICO business model might not be right for them, nor the VC business model. So I think that becoming collectives and and that's what i also what i was you know talking before about bringing these ideas into the world becoming collectives to build these projects that everyone's going to benefit from they don't necessarily have a traditional business model but everyone's interested in seeing them thrive the collective is a structure for that to happen is there a case where someone will or an organization or a, a collective to just use that word for you, would graduate or evolve from a collective to a C corp or a legitimate business. Is that is that a is that ever a possibility, or do you see that as part of the picture? We just saw it a couple of days ago. Uh, Gatsby was an open source project that was a collective, and now they are a proper startup with a three million dollar um, round. Three point eight. Three point eight. So. Um, it's um, yeah, amazing. Yeah, I didn't even kind of doubt that they were a collective graduated to you know a full fledged seat. Yeah, I don't think they were graduated. They they you know they were a project. They had their collective. They had a little bit of money, and now they maybe helped in that transition, or maybe helped them think that maybe being sustainable was something that they actually wanted. So yeah, I mean, I I use the word graduate simply because that's just a graduation. It's just a natural flow. Not so much like that's their. I just think it's interesting that um, you can have an idea and leverage and utilize something like Open Open Collective to, you know, organize and sustain and raise funds, do it transparently, do it, do it in a way that's trustworthy to a community and provide a healthy ecosystem of growth. 
until you can make a choice on which direction you should go. Like in Gatsby's case, for example, you know, they were probably happily as an open source collective doing open source work on GitHub and providing value back to a community. And then at some point they were like, Hey, things have changed. We can, we now have a new opportunity, but had it not been for the abilities they were given by being a collective, they may not have gotten to the point they're at today, you know, at least sustainability wise, organizational. Yeah, no, totally. I think that the overhead of having an idea and testing it or starting to build a community and being forced to have a legal entity and have equity and ownership and like hierarchical structures, it pretty much kills your idea. It's really difficult. Like the 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 bar is just simply too high. So yeah. So for us, like having paying taxes on money is not fun. You know, that that like, let's say you didn't all you didn't fully earn, but you have to act as if you did fully earn it to the IRS because that's how the basic operations of an LLC is. You know, it's a pass through to, you know, the owners of it. So you're going to say even if you're leaving that money in the bank account, you're going to see it on your tax bill at the end of the year. You know, so it's like I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> yeah. And. Not even just going that far, even having to talk to lawyers and accountants, yeah. you know, and just say, like, I mean, I don't have anything against lawyers and accountants. Right. Well, maybe, maybe not, maybe but, you know. That's a different but, podcast. <laughs> exactly. But it's, it's really hard to argue that these projects, like, that's where they need to put the focus, right? Right. It's, it's like, it's a non-starter for, for many of them. So you start your collective, you get some traction, you get some, a little bit of money, you get a community together, you start doing whatever it is that you want to do. And if you want to take it off to the next level, then that's amazing. Like, pay it forward, right? Support is what I emailed the Gatsby guys and I said, like, great. So how are we going to support your dependencies now? <laughs> Nice. <laughs> right? So I think that's great. It's like, a, you know, it's like, I don't want to say Kickstarter because the name is taken. But it, it is a little bit like kickstarting a community that is sustainable and and then taking it to a next level whenever you're ready. And maybe not. Maybe you're always going to be a collective and um, and you're going to be a very successful collective. Like web packages, you know, and now Babel is taking um, more and more um, contributions and it's growing. And now that Henry um, is, you know, open source full time. Um, I think there's a great opportunity there for all of the Babel team to to grow their collective. Um, and it's it's happening. I'm seeing it uh, and it makes me very happy. I'm going to drop an earmark here for the listeners, too, because we talked about Gatsby and we do have plans to talk to Jason uh, I'm not sure how you say his last name, so I'll just leave that off. But uh, I think he's the person who started Gatsby. So we're talking to him on the changelog later. I think it should air sometime in July. So just heads up on that if you're listening to this and you want to catch up on the deep details of Gatsby, what it is technology-wise. We'll probably talk a bit about their their path to sustainability and ultimately growing into a company too. So you mark that. But um we only have a few more minutes left, but I, I did want to talk a bit about revenue and not so much to this, to the fact that like, Hey, how much money do you make? But mostly around the pains of finding investors, you know, dealing with runway, dealing with burn, hiring people, giving them, you know, autonomy to do well, but at the same time, like still focus on the mission of the company so that you can, you know, actually have more revenue coming in. Can we talk a bit about some of the numbers there? I'm kind of keying off of, um, I think it was, I uh, believe the way you pronounce his name is Xavier, right? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was the February update he mentioned. Um, and I'm just gonna use this number because it's a good round number. It's easy enough. Hundred K donations, and you all have a five percent uh, cut of that to operate the platform, and so that's roughly five K in revenue per month. So, is that the only source of revenue for? Open Collective to operate on? Yep, we have investors. Okay. Um, so, well, yeah, you have investors, right. but it's some Revenue, point, yes. Yeah. You're going to yeah. need to have revenue. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we need to grow, I would say, at least 10x um, before we run out of money. Um, so, you know, that's, it, we're, we're growing nicely. That number now is, uh, I would say, at 150 already a month. Um, so, um, at, you know, at this growth rate, we're not nearly where we want to be, but it, we're making progress. Um, so for us, there's a couple of different things that we, we look at. Um, we have a very healthy runway still, so we are not super focused on the numbers. Um, we do obviously want to increase the volume of um, funding that goes through the platform. That's our, our main goal. Um, but for us, it's also important the way we do it. To do it in healthy ways. Yeah, to do it in a healthy way. Not just simply for the sake of money through the system. Absolutely. Ways that money can actually be used. Yes, and also, you know, we're also focused on um, trying to grow as healthy as possible. So if you have, like, a few very large sponsors, you are, you know, you know in a more vulnerable position than if you have a large kind of mode of many small, smaller backers. Um, so, so we are we are we are trying to work out that sweet spot between companies that are really interested in, in, in giving donations and taking those donations and work, you know building for them, but at the same time also making sure that we are building for like the smaller backers that at the end of the day they are the sort of the most um, stronger uh, mode or the more the, the stronger um, network that we can have, right? Um, that it's more defendable for our collectives. Um, so we focus on both things. So we're not super, like, you know, we're not strongly looking at the numbers. We are looking uh, also at how many donations we have, how many subscriptions cancel, how many collectives activate. So those are the metrics that we are more interested in. Yeah, that's kind of how we, we, we analyze the growth of the, of the company. Um, Another interesting thing about Open Collective is that we took a 10-year vesting, um, which is not, nor- not you know, normal or average for, for a startup. Um, and for us, it was very clear. Um, we wanted to give a very strong signal to our investors that we were doing this, to our investors and to our community, that we were doing this. In, we're in this for the long run. We're not building fast and, and quick and dirty a company with enough growth that we can flip and sell. I, this is a project that is our life project. We love it. We, we, and that's why you know, it was very important for us to give that signal. And so we decided to take a really long vesting. Um, it's a 10-year vesting. That basically means that your equity isn't fully owned or realized until 10 years? Yeah. Okay. And then for us, raising money was uh, a conversation. <laughs> a lot of backwards and forwards about how much we wanted to raise and if we wanted to raise and how we could, um, you know, if we could do this and support ourselves in a different way. And we played with the idea of doing an ICO for a very long time for a, like a sort of open collective coin to see if like we could do a crowd sale. Um, 
So like the taking money from investors, it wasn't our default uh, mode. It wasn't just a thing that everyone does. So we, we went ahead and, and did it. It was a really, it, it was a, a process that we suffered through um, from a decision perspective. Like we, we and, and we were very lucky in that. Um, and I guess it also has to do with who we are and, and how we think of ourselves, but the investors that we have are very much aligned with with what we do and the way we do things. Um, and we were also very um, careful to make sure that we filled the round with as many entrepreneurs and like founders uh, as possible. For us, that was also very important. You mentioned that... Uh that you need a 10 X to survive. I don't know if you, I can't recall if you use the word survive or not. I think, does that ring a bell to you survive? Would you classify it as that? Um, I would say, yeah, to sustainability. Yeah. So, you, you know, the point is that you've got to get revenue coming in. I mean, it's great to have all these altruistic goals, help communities, new economy, but that doesn't work unless you can get some of the systems. Right. And I'm talking about where you're investing in terms of like, how you're investing in the current 650 plus collectives that are on the platform, how you're helping them be more optimized for their own personal growth. So that obviously, cause if they grow, then you grow. Um, but the point is, is that the key metric that you're pushing is growth and donations. So right, you know, right now, 150 K a couple months back, hundred K you need to 10 X that that means roughly a million dollars a month to, to hit the, the goals you got to get. How are you, how are you going to get there? That's the kind of the, the, the big question. How do we, how do we get there? And for us, that question has, has to do with how do we grow, right? So you can get there by building faster um, features and growing your team and, you know, thinking of a sales force, right? To um, sell, um, get more sponsors and go to companies and do enterprise sales to get donations to, or you know to sell support contracts for their collectives, etc. I think that's one path. That's one that we are not um, very fond of. I think that the way we want to grow and how we get there is by scaling horizontally, by enabling more hosts to bring on board their own communities, so we have like an exponential effect. Mm, so yeah. one host that brings a whole ecosystem. So just to give you like an example now with the NetSquared network. Um, the, you know, it might take them, it took them over, a, yeah, it took them about a year for TechSoup to come on board. But now that they're here, they have a massive network that they want to start bringing on to Open Collective. Um, and the, the .NET Foundation is another example. The .NET Foundation, they started, they're very small on, on Open Collective, but as soon as they get comfortable with it and they start bringing on their user groups, you're talking about thousands of, of new contributors and groups and collectives from their own ecosystems. So how we want to grow, we want to grow like that. We want to get there by enabling more organizations to bring their own ecosystems, by enabling people around the world to create open collective chapters for their own countries, for their own cities. Like That's how we grow. That's how we get there, by, by growing a network, not by growing a company. That's really interesting. I'm sitting here nodding as you're saying it because we talked about that earlier and I didn't quite see what you were talking about in terms of horizontal growth, but it totally makes sense because, you know, I'll just give you some initial validation. That's a good direction to go because that's probably the direction I would go if I were doing it (laughs) is that, you know, essentially you're just replicating yourself. 
right? You have the goals you've had as a, as open collective to enable organizations and communities. But what you're doing is you're now allowing other, you know, open collective like entities to do that same thing and use open collective as a platform to do so. And they've already got the networks and relationships and all that stuff and all the trust. You don't have to go and do all that work. You just say, Hey, trust us as a platform and we'll go together. And we are transparent and open source and our investors have data published monthly. So trusting us as a platform is it's easier because of who we are and how we operate. But for us, that's very important. Um, and yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's about providing the planning for anyone to be a host, for anyone to be an organization, for anyone to bring their own networks here and manage that in a transparent way, in a horizontal way, in a very um, bottom-up way. Um, and that's how we're going to grow. And the same thing we are, you know, when, when we choose, we have a very limited engineering resources. And when we choose how we spend them, how we use them, um, we want to use them as uh, to build open collective in a way that anyone can build an open collective app. <laughs> so an app for collectives, right? So really build like figuring out the type of API that we can build so anyone can kind of build plugins for the collectives, right? And maybe it's someone who wants to build um, an ad network, for example, for, you know, open collective, for collectives and um, one that doesn't have any third parties, they just, you know, create a network and they offer the collectives, they pair the collectives with companies that they know and they build that on top of a collective. And that's what we want to do. We want to enable all of that to happen. And that's how we get there. And obviously the platform itself being open source is a, is a pretty key component to that. Cause if it wasn't, then it might be a little harder for you to onboard contributors or, just, you know, general interested people who want to just help that they can now see the code base, they can get involved, they can play a part essentially in building the platform. Yeah, absolutely. It's not only about being open source, it's about being open source and open to contributions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Is, right? That's Super the, key, you yeah. There's a big difference there. You can see my code, but you can't contribute. That's it. That's way exactly. different. Like, the API is like nothing. Right. Um, like, then, yeah. So we need to invest yeah. time and resources into building open collective in a way that is open to contributions. And we are investing that. Our, you know, that's, that's our path to growth has to do with that also. And you got a lot of work to do. I mean, that's... Uh, yep. I can just see, you know, not so much how small you are. I can see the size you are and all the different directions you can go. So I can see how you said earlier, as a mother, you've got no time for BS. That becomes <laughs> even more clear when you add being a mother as well as being a CEO of, of this. Like you've got zero time to, to do any BS because you've got to focus. Yeah, absolutely. But it's like the best challenge ever. Like I thrive on things like this because like I love what we do. And um, and yeah, like making, making the, the things that you love into just plain old corporations for me is not an option and so that's that's how i feel the collect our collectives feel also like community feels like that they don't want to build corporations for what they do for what they love and you know providing them with that alternative it's yeah it's an amazing feeling 
we're getting close on, we're actually over time by a little bit, but that's okay. Um, but I want to give you a chance to share anything I may not have asked you. So you're like, hey, I really was hoping Adam would ask me about this. Is there anything like that that I may have missed that you want to share? Um, no, I think we covered pretty much anything, everything really. Let me see if I can ask you this this other curveball question then, which, okay. which I did not prepare you for, but it, it could be easy to answer. It could not be. You don't have to answer it. Uh, it goes a little like this. What is something super secret, something on the horizon for either you or Open Collective that's coming up that no one knows about that you can share here on the show? So we have Sustain Open Source 2018 coming in October, and it's our like event that we talk about sustaining open source and what it looks like and how we can do it. And um, yeah, I really want to invite everyone to to join that. Um, Changelog is a big part of it, and we forgot to talk about Sustain. So in the future, in October, Sustain is going to have in London in the UK on the 25th of October. Nice. So the website to go to is sustainoss.org, and uh, October 25th, 2018 in London, UK. So is this, does it cost money? How, what, what, how, tickets are um, available? There's going to be, tickets are not available yet. But you can sign up. The, you can join the list. You join the list. Nice. And um, the tickets are going to cost. Last year, they cost $50. So I'm pretty sure we're going to keep the same rate. Uh, but there are also sponsorships for the tickets and a travel fund. Um, and for companies out there, if you want to support Sustain, um, this conversation about open source sustainability, um, there's already a, a way to support the travel fund and the scholarship fund and also child care fund, obviously. Well, I'm glad uh, to mention that because I, I had that in my notes, but I didn't mention it. I was going to ask you about Sustain. Uh, we were we were there in San Francisco last year and we were looking forward to playing a part, but it's hard for us to go across the, the ocean for things. we got several things happening this year, so we're going to miss, I think, this year. But I'm sure there's going to be somebody there that we can have represent us from at least Changelog's perspective. But uh, it's been it's been a blast to be a part of that too. It was that first one at GitHub HQ was just like very small, very intimate. You know, it was just the the right kind of recipe. You couldn't have done a better job. It was absolutely perfect as the first version. It was like the the beginning of something, right? You yeah. see that kind of kernel <laughs> there it was it was great it was great i had a blast I a one-day event for open source sustainers that's no keynotes no talks no slides just good community intimate discussion deep dives breakout sessions that was a lot of fun all right pia thank you so much for joining me here today it was a pleasure to dive into your history thank you for you know sharing parts about your past too and you know areas where that may be vulnerable to you, you know just Really appreciate you sharing like where you've been, the lessons you've learned, and what you're doing with Open Collective. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was a, a great way to end my week. All right. Thank you for tuning in to the first episode back of Founders Talk. I can't believe this show was on hiatus for five years. That's crazy. I, I'm, I'm just so excited to have it back. I miss these conversations. I miss these stories. More importantly, I miss sharing it with you. And do me a favor. If you like this show, share it with a friend. If you're in an app where you can rate it, go rate it. If you know how to tweet a link, tweet a link. Whatever it takes, share this show with a friend if you liked it. We've got many more episodes coming up that you're going to love, so stay tuned. And of course, thank you to our sponsors, Hired and Rollbar. 
I also want to thank Fastly for our bandwidth. Head to Fastly.com. And we catch our errors before users do because of Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com. And we're hosted on Linode Cloud Servers. Head to Linode.com slash changelog. Check them out. Support this show. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Thank you.